morning, Third Street. How y'all feeling? My goodness, my goodness. You guys look beautiful this morning. Uh, Every single one of you, you guys look uh, incredible. You guys got some lucky families that you're about to bless with your uh, time and presence later on. I'm excited uh, for every single one of you. Uh, If you don't know me, uh, my name is Corey. I presently serve as one of the co-pastors here at Third Street Community Church. And this morning, on this special morning, uh, the morning that we acknowledge the birth of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, it is my distinct honor and my distinct privilege to be bringing forth the Word of God this morning. Is anybody ready to get into the Word of yes, God sir. this morning? Yes, anybody wake up this morning acknowledging that it was Christmas and realize, you know what, I need to get into the Word this morning? Is it more than a few of us in here this morning that know that it wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't also read the birth narrative of Christ? Like, is it is it more than a few of us in here? I'm glad that I get to serve alongside a people and in a community that recognizes the strength and the power of the words that God inspired to be left behind for us to observe, not only on occasions such as this, but in our everyday lives. I'm incredibly excited to be getting into the Word with you. If you have your physical Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. Our children did such a beautiful job of reading from the Gospel of Luke. Amen. And it was so, it was so perfect. Uh, and I actually, actually, they covered part of it for me. So I actually just want to back us up just a tiny bit, just to be able to provide context. I'm going to read two brief passages this morning. The first one is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. If you don't have your physical Bibles, that's okay. It's no need this morning to fight off the temptation that relies on your electronic devices. We got it right here on the screen for you. This is Luke chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses in chapter 1, then we'll flip to chapter 2 in just a second. But for the time being, we're going to focus on Luke 1, starting in verse 26, the Gospel of of Luke tells it this way. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deep, deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he, meaning Jesus, will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now, we're going to fast forward in her pregnancy uh, just nine months, and we're going to read in chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered in each his own town. So that means Joseph also then went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and family line of David, he had to, be, he had to go to Bethlehem to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, 
the time came for her to give birth. There's a few of y'all this morning that are praying for the time to give birth. Amen. But her time had came. And then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger. A what? You mean a crib? Nah, fam. I said a manger, manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is the story, the birth narrative of our risen Savior. And might I be so bold as to say this might be one of the worst birth stories I have ever heard. Now, before you get upset with me and y'all leave here already and, 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 and tell all your friends and family that those people at Third Street tripping, or at least the guy that they gave the mic to bring the word, I want, I want us to like really put ourselves in the context of the story to understand why I say this might be one of the worst birth stories I've ever heard. I mean, it's tough, right? So first of all, an angel of the Lord comes to this young virgin woman named Mary. And he tells her, you don't have to be afraid, right? Well, easy for you to say, you're the shining object appearing to an unsuspecting woman, right? But he says, you don't, you don't have to be afraid. You are going to be pregnant. And she's like, well, sir. And he's like, well, hold on. Before you try to clarify the events, I know you haven't done that thing that you know that needs to be done in order for you to become pregnant. But that's why this is going to be so miraculous, See, you are going to be uh, 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 pregnant and you are going to give birth to a son. And your son, Gabriel tells Mary, is going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the savior of the world. This was such a beautiful promise and set up to be one of the greatest stories of all time. But we have to understand this morning that it didn't come without problems. So many of us this morning are here because somebody made us be here. So many of us are here this morning because on Christmas we're looking for a little bit of hope. So many of us this morning are here because we want to be, we want to know that we're written into a beautiful story. We want our own story to become beautiful. But what you need to know is that even the most beautiful promising story of all time came with its issues. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I feel that because I got issues. Let me tell you. You're in good company. If you're looking at your life this morning as you sit here on Christmas Eve and you're like, for this hour, I'm trying to forget the fact that I don't really know how things are going to shake out the rest of this day, the rest of this year, or into next year, because everything right now is a mess. Let me be the first to tell you this morning, you're in good company. This promise was beautiful. The story was setting up real nice, but it came with its problems. First of all, the angel came to... Uh, a young virgin girl who was engaged. What does engaged mean? It means she wasn't yet married. What does the fact that she was a virgin mean? You know, right? And so that means that not only did, did she have to have the faith that this was going to come to pass, but that also meant that the man that she was engaged to, who also knew, you know, had to believe that an angel of the Lord came to her, that she didn't step out in the middle of the night, that she wasn't creeping on the low, that she wasn't seeing somebody else, that took a whole lot of faith, 
on Joseph's side to be to, to listen to the woman he's engaged to, the woman that he was supposed to lay with, tell him before they were married, she had a baby on the way. Do you hear how that sounds, Mary? That's crazy, right? It's crazy. Not to mention the fact that this girl had to tell her family. This young girl had to tell her community. Back when, I know it's hard for us to believe now, but a young girl becoming untimely pregnant may have brought shame on her family and the entire community may, may shun her. I know that that's hard for us to believe now, right? It doesn't sound anything like people's judgmental selves now. But back then, this brought shame. And that was a lot to deal with. She didn't have a baby shower. She didn't have an overly uh, involved support system. She didn't have an entire community rallying around her to make sure that she was going to be okay and raise this baby all right. She was alone. She was tossed out. She was put to the side, whispered about, talked bad about. She was still engaged. It's, it's bad optics. And then we don't know what kind of pregnancy she had. Maybe she was sick. Maybe it was fine. I don't know. But what we do know is that it became closer and closer to her time of birth, right? She's probably around nine months pregnant at this point. And the issue is, is brought down by the government that everybody's got to go back to their hometowns to register for the census, right? And that's an issue because that's a four days journey and she's nine months pregnant. I know some of y'all that don't leave the house after you're nine weeks pregnant. She got a whole baby dropping in her belly and she's got a four day walk to her hometown. That's not easy. They said, well, you know, pastor, I heard, I heard somewhere in there that, that she did have a donkey to ride on. Okay. You go ride a donkey for four days. Let me know how you come off walking. It's not easy, right? It's not easy. And then, shocker, lo and behold, it came time for her to give birth when she's far from home. It came time for her to give birth, and she's in a land that she's not even from. It came time for her to give birth and she's going door to door to door asking somebody for a room and nobody's got room for her. And closed door after closed door after closed door results to them being so desperate for a place to lay down for a second that they're willing to take somebody's stable. They're willing to take somebody's barn. They go out to the barn and you know what's in barn? Animals. You know what's where animals are? Poop. Bad smells. An environment that does not smell at all like Altman Hospital's birthing unit. Right? There's no, there's no sense being in the hallway. It's none of that. She's in a barn and she's looking for a place to have this baby and she sees a spot where that pigs eat out of. And she's like, well, that's going to have to do. And that's where our Savior lied. That's where our Savior first laid his head, was in a messy enough situation that not many of us would touch. But that's where he laid his head first. 
So, so respectfully, the journey from an untimely pregnancy to a community upset with her all the way to laying her baby first in a manger. Yeah, I think this is one of the worst birthing stories I think I've ever heard. It's tough. There's no support from home or community. She's completely alone. There's closed door after closed door. There's no room for her. She's lost. Come on. She's having to try and find rest. Enough rest to give a young baby peace. In the midst of a situation that's so messy that I know 90% of this room wouldn't willingly walk into. What could possibly give Mary such comfort at this time? What could possibly allow a young woman to keep going? This morning, I would like to contend to you that there's really only two things that could have, that could have been making this possible for Mary. The first of which is that she was sure of what God had said. She was sure of what God had said he was going to do. And the second of which, perhaps a little bit more obvious, is that it didn't matter what circumstance she was in. God was going to deliver. Amen. Did, you, did, you, did you hear what I said? It didn't matter what circumstance she was in. God was going to deliver. Right now, I know that there's those of us in the room that feel completely alone in the midst of hard circumstances. I don't need to go at length and, and lose my breath over explaining to you having no support system because you know it. It's your life. I don't have to tell you what it's like to not have family there. You're sitting here this morning knowing that you don't got family there. I don't have to explain to you what it feels like to be isolated or shunned by your community because you felt that before. Right. Right now, there are those of you that are like, I feel you, Mary. I feel that there's no room in the inn for me because I've gone from door to door to door. I've gone from job to job to job. I've gone from house to house to house. Some of y'all been from couch to couch to couch. And you know that you felt, too, there's no room for you either. <laughs> Some of us hear that Mary ends up in a in a stable and you're like, you know what? <laughs> I feel you, Mary, because I look around at my life right now and it kind of stinks, too. I look around at my situation right now and it's pretty messy, too. I look around and you know what? The best place for me to lay may be where somebody else would call slop or trash. But that's what I got right now. You feel it, too. The first thing I want to encourage you with this morning is knowing that the first bit of our spiritual resilience the first bit of us getting through comes from knowing what God has said. It comes from knowing what God has said. The ability that Mary has to push through comes from the fact that she knows what God has promised. The faith it takes to push through our hard circumstances comes from knowing what God has said. The perspective needed to, be, to, to, to carry on in such difficult circumstances comes from knowing what God has said. The comfort and support to keep on moving, even when everything in your body says, I don't want to keep moving, comes from knowing what God has said. This is your shameless encouragement to get in your scriptures and, 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 and root your life in prayer. Because can I tell you, that's, what, that, 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 that's a big part of what changes my life. 
It's an enormous part of what develops my relationship with Christ and why I can so boldly stand in front of you this morning and poke on things you don't want me to poke on and talk about things you don't want me to talk about with such boldness because I know that when I proclaim the name of Jesus, it's what changes these circumstances. Do you know what spending time in the scriptures and time in prayer has revealed to me? I've learned that that the good news that Christ was born on this very earth to proclaim sets people free. That's what I know because it set me free. You know what else I learned? I learned that the Lord also agrees with me that it's not good for me to be alone. So says Genesis 2, right? I know that the Lord so much so agrees with me that it's not good for me to be alone. That thus he will keep me surrounded. And scripture tells me that he will guide me constantly and that he will satisfy my soul even when it is in drought. You know what else I learned? I learned that in the midst of closed doors, the scripture tells me that God will always make a way. Whether that's for escape or for his own purposes, God will always make a way. You know what else I learned? I learned that that when I see my life as a mess and that causes me to feel real weak, I know more than a few of you this morning might be feeling real weak. I'm with you too, but the good news that I've learned from the scriptures is that when I feel real weak, the Lord's strength is made perfect. If you can resonate with any portion of, Mo- of Mary's birthing story, then, then the, then, then the occur- encouragement that I want to give to you this morning is that God's intent for your life is to set you free. Yes. Did you hear what I said? God's intent for your life is to set you free and then get started. Yes. But the question that you have to answer is whether or not you will decide to have the faith to push through and see what God's going to do. Will you decide this morning to have the faith to push through and decide to see what God is going to do? Because I got to tell you, church, the Lord's going to deliver. He's going to deliver despite the circumstance that you face. He's going to deliver despite the mess that you're up in. He's going to deliver that night, you know, the night that Mary felt so alone. That night, the, the, the night that Mary couldn't find anywhere that had room for her. That, that night where Mary felt like she wasn't being written into anyone else's stories. You know, that night, that night when, 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 when Mary felt so alone and probably felt so weak because something was on the way. And that night that, 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 that the best Mary could do would be to settle amongst pig slop to have this baby. You know, that night she gave birth that night. Did you know that? She did. And I believe that that's not all she knew. I believe that Mary knew right then and there that God's promise will always be fulfilled. I believe that Mary knew God's promise was going to be fulfilled. See, I don't think, I think Mary was the first to get hit. I don't think that Mary needed 33 years of sinful life to know that God was going to come through. I don't think that Mary needed to see her son go on to heal a bunch of people go on to perform a whole bunch of miracles, go on to deliver a whole bunch of people from chains to know that God 
was going to deliver. I don't think that she needed to hear her son teach or preach a single sermon to know that God was going to come through. And even though the Gospel of John tells us that on that night Christ was born into the very earth he created, but the very earth he created didn't even recognize him. Even though the world did not recognize him, I think she was even still fully convinced that on that night, when God delivers something by our faith, it indeed will go on to save lives. I think that's why in John chapter 2, at the wedding in Cana, Mary doesn't bother exasperating her own words to tell Jesus what the problem is. She lays it at his feet and she walks away. She doesn't go on to say, Jesus, this, this wedding's a mess. They've run out of wine. You need to fix it. And here's three bullet points from my own experience as to how you can fix it, Jesus. She doesn't do any of that. I believe because Mary knew on that night that when she faces situations like John chapter 2, the wedding in Cana, she knows enough to just lay it down at Jesus' feet and say, hey, that's the problem. I'll see you later because I know you're going to fix it by the time I come back. I believe she knew. And I think that that's got to be the only thing. That's got to be the only thing that could possibly comfort a mother as she watches her son suffer a brutal, crucified death. The most brutal recorded in world history. I believe the only thing that could possibly give a mother comfort in that moment, watching her son be killed at the hands of a crowd that cries for freedom but just crucified the only one whose heart was to do it. The only thing that could possibly give a mother comfort was knowing that back on that night, God made good and will continue to make good on what he said he was going to do. I guess to answer that old song that drives some people in my house crazy, I think that Mary knew. I think she was hip. She's like, yeah, bruh. Yes, Mr. Lowry, the composer, partial composer of that song. I gave birth to that. I was, I was very aware. I think what Mary knew on that night is the same hope that I pray we all walk out with this morning, and that is that, that when God delivers through faith, it saves lives. When God delivers through faith, it saves lives. I believe that right now, in this church, in where you're sitting, right now, you heard me say, I believe right now in even you, and you thought, oh, in even them, but I'm talking about you. Right now, I believe in you. God is planting seeds of an alternative reality a kingdom reality. I believe that right now God is, 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 is planting seeds of a better reality in your heart. That better reality may be healing. Yes. 
That better reality may be reconciliation. That better reality may be a new business or a new service. That better reality may be a better reality for your family. But whatever it is, I believe right now the Lord is planting in your heart a better reality. He is planting in your heart a better reality of hope where there isn't any hope right now. He's planting in your, in your heart seeds of, 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 of peace and of joy where there is no peace and joy right now. He's planting in your heart right now seeds of, of love where right now, let's be real, just between me and you, it ain't got no love right now I believe that he is planting seeds that 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 all he needs to water is for you to say yes all he's asking for this morning is for you to say yes I know some of you skeptical enough to, 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 to reluctantly step in here this morning and just wait for me to, to arrive at a point where I ask you to do something, have been waiting for this moment right here. But the good news of Jesus Christ has arrived at your doorstep and all I need you to do, all he needs you to do right now is say yes. That's it. I'm not asking for anything else from you and neither is he. He's already planted the seeds. All he needs from you in order to water and to see those things become full reality. What I'm saying is all he needs from you in order to see these things delivered right here in your living room, in your circumstance, on your doorstep, in your neighborhood, in your community. Yes, in your family too is for you to say yes to faith in Jesus Christ. Because when we decide to have the faith to say yes, when we decide to have the faith to say yes, then what God is able to bring to fruition saves lives. Yes. I look at some of you in this room that have just as much, if not more, credibility this morning to stand up here and, and, and proclaim it because it's your testimony. Because you came to a place in life where you said yes. God used you to do something that brought about the saving of lives because of the yes that you shared. Don't lose sight of that. There's more than, than just me in this room that's convinced that all it takes is a faithful yes. And what the Lord will birth will save people's lives. Church, 2024. 2024. For Third Street is going to be the year of saying yes to kingdom dreams. This year is going to be the year of saying yes to kingdom dreams. If you're here this morning and you're maybe thinking a little bit to yourselves like, you know, maybe I kind of. I kind of do want to see some of that stuff through or or if I'm honest with myself, I do think the Lord is stirring a little bit, of, a little bit of something up or 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 if when I really think about it, I really do want to get to know what he said, because if, 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 if what he said is in line with what I'm hearing, then I think there might be something on the horizon. Then then can I just give you a quick spoiler alert? You're going to want to be here in 2024. That's all I'm saying. You're going to want to be here. If you are looking for the birth and the deliverance of kingdom dreams in 2024, then Third Street is where you want to be. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you because already planned. And here's what I know. Here's what I know from just, just enough faith. Just enough faith to stand up here and talk to you all. What I know is that if, if what we have planned is any indication, what God has planned is so much bigger. But let me tell you what we have planned. Okay, what we have planned in 2024 is more opportunities to get to know what God has said, more huddles, more studies, more opportunities to get into the word. If that's what we have planned, 
imagine what God is going to do. Let me tell you something else. What we have planned, what we have planned is more opportunities to join learning communities of other people around Northeast Ohio who are also saying yes to a kingdom dream. They're also saying yes in this instance to starting something new. And we have incubators and learning communities that are starting up in 2024 with people all over Northeast Ohio that are, that are deciding today to say yes to a dream that God has laid on their heart. If that's what we have planned, can you imagine what God intends to give birth to. This morning, what we have planned in 2024 is more opportunities to pray and to step into deeper plans for restoration that God has for this community. If that's what we have planned, can you imagine what God intends to do in 2024? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The worship team is going to come join me to help me close out our time. What I'm trying to tell you is that God sees your present circumstance. He knows that when any person stands up with a little bit of the spirit of the Lord or too much coffee, depending on how you want to look at it this morning, stands up here and with all the energy tells you that it's going to be the year of kingdom dreams realized. God knows what makes you feel like that's far-fetched and ridiculous. God knows, but God promises to deliver anyway. So long as this very, very key decision is made. And it's the decision on your part to say yes.